Good morning. Y'all look great. Uh, y'all have been, the church kind of been scattered. We've had holidays the last two Sundays, and I know people have been, uh, been, been maybe out of town, and it's just good to see a nice full house. Nice to see you uh, survive the snow. You got out Thursday and got your milk and, uh, and your bread, and you survived the snow that came and covered our trampolines. Um, it's good to see you. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles. We return uh, to the Sermon on the Mount that uh, right before the, the holidays hit, and we, we turned our uh, focus towards uh, Christ coming at Christmas. Uh, we've been going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And as you turn there, there's a couple of announcements I want to make. Uh, for one thing, uh, in you know, maybe you're you're here and uh, and you kind of had a renewed commitment to to really get more involved in church and and attend more. Especially if you're a uh, someone who's not a member here at Wyatt, I want you to make you aware that in two weeks from today we'll be offering our membership matters class, and it is a time for uh, for people that are visiting uh, that are our guests uh, have been in our services to to just kind of see a little more about what we're about. Uh, as a church and get a get kind of a deeper view to see if this might be where you would like to make your church home. I encourage you uh, to make somewhere your church home and we're not a perfect church but and we're, we're seeking uh, really hard to follow Christ and do what he's called us uh, to do and so uh, that membership class is in two weeks. You can sign up online, you can fill out the connection card and, and, uh, and sign up that way uh, but we would love to have a uh, a, a big class to to attend and see what our church is all about. And the second thing is small groups will be starting up next Sunday. And I really encourage you that if maybe you've been setting out of small groups and uh, maybe took a hiatus to, to really think about uh, getting back involved next week. We've got some exciting things that are going to be happening in the next few months in our small group, uh, both just to, to do some things in our own hearts and also uh, begin to look at doing some things in our community and uh, and and being faithful to love one another um, and and to love god and and love our community and so I encourage you there are going to be some exciting things we're meeting with the small group leaders tonight to kind of talk about vision and it'd be a great time for you to just say, you know uh, I'm either going to give small groups a try or I'm going to get back involved with my small group that I used to be a part of uh, we would love. Uh, to see uh, see that happen, there's a I believe a small group list uh, out in the the foyer. If you want to sign up after church, uh, we'll contact you and and let you know uh, more about that. So let's read Matthew six verses two through four. It says this: Thus, when you give to the needy, <clears throat> sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be, see, may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So as we return back to... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, we return just one verse into, uh, into chapter 6. And chapter 6 um, opens with a verse that kind of sets the, uh, the stage for the first half of the chapter. And we looked at that back before Christmas. And verse 1 says this, Beware of practicing 
your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And so really what we have from, from where we were in chapter 5 uh, to where we're now going in chapter 6, there's a bit of a change and also kind of a staying on the, uh, the course that we've already been on. Uh, the, the, the change is that as chapter 5 was focused more on our interaction with others and how we do that, and, and, uh, and it's about, it was about the Pharisees and how they had taken some of the commands of God of how we interact with others, and they had, they had, they had messed them up. And it was Jesus saying, uh, remember, if you remember, if you can remember that far back, he would say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And so what we have in chapter 6 is more of a turning that, that it deals with some of the things that deal with our interaction with God. And how we are to interact with Him uh, in several ways. Now, the way that it kind of is staying on the same course is, back in chapter 5, Jesus was talking about it's all about the heart. Okay, It's not just about what you do on the outside, it's about the heart. And we're going to see Jesus takes that same course when He talks about our interaction with Him, that it's about the heart. And so, today we're talking about giving. Uh, and the other two are praying uh, and fasting and so uh, we have we receive instruction and being careful so verse one sets the stage for this be careful how you do these things don't do it to be seen by men but do it to please god and that's what we want to talk about um, about giving and how how we need to give that giving is a complex thing that we can easily corrupt and get wrong and we want to make sure that we're giving in the way that God has told us to give first I want us to see our responsibility to be generous generosity in this verse is assumed we see that Jesus expects them to give he says when you give not if you give and we know that Jesus went around looking for needs, looking for people that were hurting, that he could alleviate their needs. And so if we're going to follow him, we're going to need to be a generous people. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said this. He said, Do not tell me, as a good man did today, of my obligation to put all poor men in good situations. Are they my poor? Now, if he means here that, hey, I didn't make these people poor, I mean, he has a point. Oftentimes the poor, we didn't make them poor. Circumstances arose in their life where they made bad decisions, and, and, uh, but we had nothing to do with that, and so there's truth in that. If he's saying that, hey, I can't fix everybody, that I can't go out and and, and one person thick, alleviate all the poor that's in the world, poverty that's in the world, then there's truth to that. But if he means here that we have no responsibility to help the needs of others, I would certainly say that he is not espousing what Christianity espouses. I would say we should be less like Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, are they my poor? We should be more like the early church. Here's what the Roman Emperor Julian said about 
the early church. And he was not meaning to be flattering, but it is. He says, the impious Galatians, or I'm sorry, the impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. I love that, that that Julian is saying, those stinking Christians, they're taking care of not just the people in their church, but they're taking care of, of people that we should be taking care of, and everyone's seeing how bad we are because the Christians are so caring of those who are in need. How great would it be for Washington, D.C., to be able to have to say, we can't get anyone on our programs. Those churches keep interfering. They keep helping others. Now I'm not just talking about the church throwing money like the government does. Just throw money at the issue and poverty and it will go away. That's what Washington seems so fond of doing. I'm, I'm talking about discipleship. Is this not... What is it spoken of in Ephesians 4.28 when it talks of the, the changes that happen among people who come to Christ? And it says here, the thief no longer steals. But he gets a job with his hands and he earns a living so he can take care of his family, so he can, he can, he can be generous. It even says so he can turn to a person that is not just not stealing, but a person who is generous. And some poor may need some help with money, and, and when that's the case, we should certainly run to their aid. But often what they need is discipleship that will take care of, of, of many decisions that, that make people poor. Not always. Not all, you know, people get sick, and, and there are just things that can come into people's lives to bring poverty to them. I'm not saying that those things don't exist. But many times it is choices that if they were discipled, Many of those things would improve. So let us look at all people and, and say they belong to us. We want to take care of them. We want to serve them. Maybe sin is making them poor. Maybe not. But let's try to help. Let's make the, the poor of El Dorado in our community, let's make them our poor that, that we want to serve and we want to help to improve their life. We know that genera uh, generosity is about more than money. Folks, the world just, does not just need our dollars. They need all of us. They need Christians to be people that have huge hearts of gener generosity to relieve what hurts them. And yes, on rare occasions, that may be money. Though, I mean, in America, it's, it's not as big of an issue as it may be in other places. Most often it is our loving care of their souls that they need from us. We need to be willing to say, you need my Jesus. You need me in your life. You need me to tell you some of the teachings of Jesus and tell you the gospel and how to, how to, how to live your life to please God. And that's what many need more than anything else is the gospel. Writing a check can be a good thing. To be a person that ties to your church, that's an excellent thing. But when we look at what 
God has given us in Christ, how can we not offer up our whole lives? I mean, that's it, right? I mean, that when we look upon God and the fact that He gave us Christ, that He did not spare His own Son, but gave, himself, gave His Son for us so that we might have life. When we look upon a God with that kind of generosity that would send His Son to take our place on the cross, how can we not be people that say, God, I give you all of me. I like what, I like what uh, Arrhenius said. He said uh, this about the early, again, in the early church. The Jews were contained to do a regular payment of tithes. Christians who have liberty assign all their possessions to the Lord since they have hope of greater things. God is not calling us to 10% or 20% or 30%. He's call, calling us to 100% generosity with our lives, realizing that it is all from God and it is all to be used for His honor and for His glory. Next, Jesus, uh, Jesus addresses our motivation for giving. First, we, He shows us some wrong motivation of giving. First, we see that we shouldn't be giving to please others. It says here, sound, in verse 2, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. So we have this ridiculous picture of someone. Can you imagine if that happened in here, right? At the end of the service, when we do the, the offering, and somebody hires a guy with a trumpet. Okay, maybe hires Tim Boland to sit next to him. And at the time of the offering, boy, he pays Tim to let it out. And he waves the check in the air. Maybe, maybe one of those big checks, right, that you see in competition, you know, when people win a competition. A big giant check, right? Look at what I'm doing and throw that in, in the offering plate so that all can see. And, and, and the and historians struggle with this because they're trying to, they try to figure out, did this really happen in the synagogues with the Pharisees? Because it seems so ridiculous. And some of them say, yeah, we think that, that maybe people were actually having people trumpet their giving and draw attention to it. And some think, no, Jesus is just using a, a picture here of something ridiculous. But the point remains, don't act like you care about the poor or about missions or about your church if all you want to do is draw attention to yourself and what you are giving. If you, all you care about is people know that you give or see you give. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about missions. You don't care about your church. You care about your own glory. Spurgeon said this. He said, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is a posture, is the posture of hypocrisy. Now I want to briefly say, is it always wrong to give for your giving to be made public? Um, I mean, obviously, when the, when the plates are passed, this is something we, we publicly do. Many, uh, many of us may send, have the bank send the check or 
or send the check in the mail, and, but, but we pass the pl- plates in public. So is that wrong for people to see you give? When we see that Jesus, remember when the widow gave two mites, she did it publicly and, and he was able to see what she was given. And so he, he praises her in public and says, look what this great woman is giving. She's got nothing and she's giving all that, that she has. And so we see instances in Scripture, uh, and we see at times that people's giving is made public. But the spirit of this verse is that we should never give to be seen. There's a huge difference between, uh, between being seen giving and giving to be seen, just like we'll talk about with prayer. There's a difference between being seen praying and praying to be seen. There's a vast difference between those two things and there may be instances where um where you're asked to share about a giving a moment that you gave when you didn't have much and and because it's an inspiration and uh and so it's not don't look at this strictly and say i have to um never let anybody see me put anything in the plate and and never let anybody know that i'm giving that's not the case here it's the spirit Don't let your giving be known so that you can win favor. Some would give to the church in order to be a power broker in it. And this happens a lot. Thankfully, I I don't know that I've ever experienced this here at Wyatt uh, since I've been in the know or whatever, but but it happens. I've heard of it happening. One pastor I look, look up to, uh, was in a situation where the the church needed a new baptistry bath and just needed a new whole new remodel of the front of the church and the baptistry and a, a man came by his office and with a check to just cover it all and he said but pastor before i give this check i want to talk to you about how we're kind of reaching out to people that are different that are different ethnic persuasion than us and so before I give you this check, I want to have a conversation about that. And uh, thankfully, uh, this pastor said, uh, you can take a check and you can go. I mean, how, how crooked and, 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 and sinful must, must you be in your attitude of giving that you would buy the church a new baptistry as long as you had made sure that only white people we're baptized there. I mean, what wickedness. That may be an extreme case, but a less extreme case is if you, you give a lot to the church, you just feel like when you want something, you should get it because you give a lot to the church. And, and we don't give in order for people to know that we give in order to, to curry favor uh, and get our way. It's, it's a, that's a sinful way to give. The second way that, that we can have bad motiva- motivation is pleasing ourselves. Jesus goes a step far, farther than drawing attention to others, but also he says, hey, don't focus on it yourself. It's a very kind of almost a comical verse here, verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now this is cre- creative hypothesis hyperbole here okay 
Like we know our hands don't have intellect and brains to think about and know what the other hand is doing. But the idea here is to be careful on dwelling on your own giving. Or saying, man, I'm so awesome. Look what I just gave. Man, I'm, man, God is so good to have me and my giving is just awesome. Our hearts are so deceitful that we can fight to not be seen by others giving, but then in our own hearts we're just we're patting ourselves in the back and saying, I am so righteous. And think about it, when we give, there are real people involved. There are the needy, there's the missionary, there's the fellow church member in a difficult time. And yet our tendency when we give, if we're giving sinfully, is to think about me and how it makes me feel. There are countless millions of dollars giving every year by godless people just so that they could feel good about themselves. To stir up good feelings in their own hearts so they could say, look at how much money I gave to the sick. But that is not our motivation to to please others or to please ourselves. So what should be our motivation? The answer is simple. Our motivation for our giving should be to please God. So, verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Our giving, as with all action, should be done with the primary purpose of pleasing God. See, Jesus keeps taking us back to the heart of the matter, right? He just keeps taking us back to the heart of why we do things and the intent. And is it to please God or is it to please man? And the sad thing is, is that so many people use the secrecy of giving that god is has built giving to be this joyful private thing between us and him and we use that secrecy to rob him and here's what i mean for many of us because our giving is secret we don't really give all that much if we uh, every year ran through the giving of everybody, those who would stay in the church if we did that, the giving would increase, right? Because, man, people are going to know. People are going to know that, that I didn't give that much. They're going to know that my heart's not, not really in this thing. And yet, God always sees your giving he always sees it it is you can't hide it from him and we don't care right because no one else knows god's looking in as long as the people in the pew next to me don't see it i'm fine and that shows how far our hearts are away from God. At 2 Corinthians 8, 
uh, Paul is giving a testimony uh, of the giving heart of the Macedonians to encourage the Corinthians to be givers. Um, he's talking about this, this offering that the Macedonians gave to, to help the church. And, and so he's using the Macedonians as an example to try to encourage the Corinthian church to be a giving church. This is what it says in verse 5. It says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. That is what, that is what has to happen, right? That's the right order. They gave themselves to God, and then they gave their money to us for God's glory. I come before you this morning begging you to give your, give your heart, give, your, give God the glory for your whole life, and then write your checks. Don't get that backwards. And we see here that, that reward is promised for our generosity. Now Jesus does tell us here, hey, you get a reward if man sees you. The praise of man. You get that. You get a pat on the back for someone who probably doesn't even like you. The praises of man. And by the next day, they forgot that you gave. But it says, but those who give for God's eyes alone will receive reward from Him. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God has promised great reward for those who are generous. Reward is not something to be shunned, but embraced. Because our Lord is making us great promises that if you will give in secret, for God's eyes alone, God will reward you. Now on the surface, this is a little confusing to me. It's like Jesus has just told us, don't think about yourself. Right? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's giving don't think about it. If you do that, you'll get rewarded. But Jesus, now I'm right back to thinking about myself. And the fact that I'll get rewarded if I do this right. And I would answer that confusion by saying that this is everywhere in Christianity. For the glory before Him, the Scriptures tell us, Christ endured the cross. Temporary sacrifice so that He would enjoy the glories of obeying the Father on the cross. Jesus said, He who loses His life for My sake will find it. Those that seek to be the last will one day be the first. Christianity is at its very nature 
self-denial with the understanding that self-denial will lead to things that make denial absolutely worth it. Self-denial in Christianity is never ultimate. It's never ultimate. I mean, Jesus right here is appealing to our desire for reward, and he does this all the time. And Jesus isn't going to appeal to something in our heart that's sinful to get you to obey him. He's not going to do that. So when God, when, when Christ appeals to our desire for reward and our desire for great things, he's, he's not doing something sinful or causing something, saying that something sinful, it's actually quite good. Here are a couple of verses that speak of reward, a couple of my favorite in the scriptures. And I want you to listen to the promise of both, both present reward and future reward. Luke 18, 29 and 30 says this, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife our brothers, our parents, our children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, and also for the life to come. Contrast that with the praise of man, that it's, hey, good job. And God says, listen, if you will give, if you will be a generous person, and you will give your life, you will give your money, you will give your time for my honor and for my glory, I'm going to give you great reward right now and then reward in the future in the eternity future that you can't possibly wrap your head around i mean which sounds better to you it's a momentary good job way to write that check or for god to say man i'm going to pour out my blessings on you now and in eternity there's a present reward that we all have generosity done for the kingdom of God will bring us joy right now. now. I think we might misunderstand this a bit because of how we tend to think of reward. Like reward is like your kid plays in a tournament and at the end of the tournament they get a trophy and we kind of think, well, that's how God rewards. He's at the end, he'll give us a trophy, he'll give us a crown. I encourage you, if you get, sometimes get confused by this issue of reward, I read some C.S. Lewis on reward. He's awesome on it. But he said this. He said, The proper rewards are not simply tacked on to the activity for which they are given, but are the activity itself in consumption. Does that make sense to, to you? Our joy is part of the event of generosity. That if we would make every effort to take the focus off of ourselves, to not give to be seen by others, to not give so that we can feel good, but give just so because there's a need, then we can just joyfully 
God will bring us great joy in that need, in meeting that need. Man, we could just enjoy that, that need being met in us, and, and we can just enjoy that God's given us that opportunity to give. That, that the, the joy is part of the generosity, not something that's tacked on at the end of our life. It's, it's something that He wants to give us every time we give that check or give that time uh, for someone. But there, of course, is future reward. It's not a one and done thing. E- eternal rewards, uh, eternal actions, and bring eternal rewards. I've always liked how Randy Alcorn says it. He says, you can't take your wealth with you, but you can send it on ahead. I love that. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by using what God gives you for His honor and glory. It's not like it goes poof. It goes ahead to await you in glory and and for you to enjoy that act of giving an act of love for eternity. How can we possibly desire the fleeting, pitiful praise of man when God says, I'm going to give you reward now and I'm going to give you reward for all of eternity. It's an easy trade. In conclusion, uh, first I want to talk about for a minute and I don't know how to transition to this, but um, our church is uh, excited this year to offer uh, new ways of giving, okay? Now, you're, right now you're saying, well, you're launching a new way of giving, and so that's why you preached a, uh, a message on giving. Well, that's the beauty of going verse by verse because we're just taking the next verses in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's giving, so, so God knew Long ago, when we decided on this series that we'd be not launching a new giving platform, and, and we just need to give you this information. This isn't how I would love to end a sermon, but we've got to get you this information because we've been given the same way for uh, 115 years that this church has existed, or, or uh, over 100 years. Uh, we are uh, using a, a, a group called Push Pay, and here are some features it opens up several avenues of giving uh, our church website uh, is a place where uh, where you can give if you look if you look over there to the top right where that arrow is uh, you can now get on there and all you got to do is click on that now this is helpful i haven't owned checks in like four years so this is exciting to me it may not be exciting to you because you're still in the checks and and all of that but uh, you click on give, and it's just as easy as can be uh, to give on our website. Uh, we have just launched in the last week or two uh, the Wyatt Church app. Okay, so if you go to uh, if you go to the Apple Store, or I think the Android s- store as well, uh, and if you if you go and you search uh, Wyatt Church, uh, we've got an app, and it's not just about giving. It's uh, our sermons will be there. Uh, uh, you can, uh, there's a Bible, uh, you can, you can go there for, for your Bible. There's all kinds of, you can, uh, you can fill out prayer cards that, that will get emailed to the pastors as soon as you fill them out. If you have a prayer need that comes up during the week, there's, if you're a guest, there's a way you can, instead of filling out that connection card that's in the bulletin, you can do it, uh, on our app. And so I encourage you, before you leave here today, before you forget, 
uh, to go to uh, those app stores and type in Wyatt Church. And, of course, there is a way to give. There's a give button there as well. You could text. We all love to text, or most of us love to text. You could text Wyatt uh, to 77977, and you'll receive a link on how to give. Um, one thing that's exciting uh, is that it could be a one-time gift, or you can set it up reoccurring that just, you know, every month uh, we know that this is going to be our tithe or this is going to be how much we give. And so every month we're going to uh, make an automatic, uh, uh, set up an automatic payment where we don't really even have to, to think about it. Um, at times there will be different uh, opportunities with, where we scroll down during special offerings where you can click on uh, special offerings. There's places for you to kind of say where your money uh, where you want your money to go as well. And so I just encourage you, uh, you can keep giving exactly how you've always given. That's fine. Uh, but we did want to make, as times change and, um, and technology changes, we wanted to make this uh, an opportunity uh, for you to, to maybe make giving a little easier for you. Maybe if you struggle with giving, it's always good if, if, if there's something that, that you struggle with uh, we want to make it easier for you to obey God. And so that's our desire here is to just make giving a little easier so that you can get the blessing and the joy uh, from giving. So no matter how you give, whether you give like you've always given, whether you uh, give through push pay, uh, or in Espavale, Nicaragua, where we work, uh, they bring their cows. That's how they give. Hey, here, church, I've had this many cows, so here are my cows. Here are my chickens, go sell them. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to deal with that. Uh, but wherever, you know, however you give, give. And don't just give of your money, give of your time, give of 100% of your heart to the people outside of our church that desperately don't just need a money to pay a light bill, although there are times that, that may be in order, but they need Christ, they need discipleship, they need you to be generous with your life, with your time, with your money, with everything, with your gifts. And so be that kind of person. No matter how you choose to give, be a person that, that can be said that they have a generous heart. How can we not have a generous heart when we look at what Christ has done for us? I'm going to ask our musicians to come. You can stand and we're going to say a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, God, help us to be people that are generous, that are full of generosity with, with our money, with our time, with our gifts, just everything that you've given to us, that we would realize that it is yours and should be used for your honor and for your glory. God, help us to be a people that when we see need, when we see someone in need, that we help them not so others can see and not so we can pat ourselves on the back, but so that you can receive glory from our actions. God, I thank you that you're a God that promises us great reward. God, help us to pursue that reward through lives of generosity, lives that are 
inflamed in our desire to please you. God, move in us in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.